This podcast covers subject matter that may not be suitable for all audiences, especially young children. Hi, everybody. This is Luisa Yates. Welcome to Beauty Boot by Checkup Project. What is Beauty Boot? In every episode, we will address a topic important to youth. Exploring electric areas, digging deep to find tools and tricks that our listeners can use. Specifically, we will talk about our identity as Inuit, our communities, and our relationships. We will talk about many hot topics, including sex, alcohol, sexually transmitted infections, gender identity, and Inuit pride. As Inuit youth, I want to hear what our own people have to say about these things and see what other youth think. We will also have input from people all over Canada and from you, our listeners. So contact us via Checkup Project Facebook page. We want to hear what you have to say. This is Luisa Yates. Welcome to the show. This is Beauty Boot. Today on Beauty Boot, we will talk about alcohol, partying, and risky behaviors. So, welcome to happy hour, everyone. Okay, so it's out there. We're young, we party, we drink, and sometimes we have a blast. Sometimes it's just one too much. That, what's up with drinking or not drinking for you guys? So, I called some friends and we sat around and we had a soft drink. We drank pop. And we started to share about alcohol and how it works in different communities. Legal, non-legal selling, dry towns, accessing it, partying, consequences of alcohol, what drinking, not drinking on the land, and traditional activities mean to us. And then I wondered, what about sex? Okay, so that was my friend last week. We went to a party, we had some drinks, and they started to feel a bit horny. They had some more drinks and then woke up naked. Okay, so it's not news. It happens all the time. The sex people don't even remember. And then we wondered, what does alcohol do to your body sex-wise anyways? So I'm here with Lucy, Olivia, Alexa, Kayla, Ciesi, Malaya, Melissa, and me, myself, Luisa Yates. So, hi guys. Welcome. Hi. 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 So, um, we're going to be having an open discussion here, and we're going to be talking about some of the things that I just spoke about. So, um, what have you guys experienced or witnessed? What is the situation in your communities, in your opinions? How to deal with it? What kind of effects does it have on your relationships, your family, and your community? Having sex when drunk, how do you protect yourself and others? What have you guys seen in your communities? What is it like in your opinion? How do you deal with it? What kind of effects does it have on your relationships, your family, and in your community? And having sex when drunk. Who do you protect? Yourself and others? Myself. Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you seen? What have you experienced or witnessed? Well, growing up, I had alcoholic parents. And every time I go to sleep, I would smell the bread, bread breath. I didn't like that. Both of my parents died from alcohol and I quit drinking. Wow. For five years now. Wow. Good for you. And when I was drunk, um, sometimes I go visit my friends and, like you said, we would wake up naked. Say, <laughs> <laughs> no. It happens to the best of us and the yeah. worst of us. It's a reality. Sulit. Because when we're drunk, I guess we get horny or something, or when there's men around. <laughs> Try to avoid that. Right. And a, a lot of this happens back home that, like, you know, you're at a party and whatever, you wake up 
naked the next day and then you know you're yelling rape. Yeah. You know, it happens a lot. Both of you were not conscious of what was going on, hopefully, you know, and how do you prove that it's rape and that it, it wasn't rape? And it's such a hard thing to to identify because everybody was wasted, you know, yeah. and nobody was conscious of anything that they were doing. So it's it's a very... Yeah, not remembering. And so I'm getting from what you guys are saying that there's a lack of uh, self-control, right? But that doesn't validate non-consexual sex. I mean, it's, it's hard. Yeah, like yeah. you were saying, I mean, it's not, you're not going to be like, oh, I got raped necessarily, but you're not also going to be like, oh, I had such great sex, you know, yeah. so... Kind of like so a, it's like that line, like. I but it's know. not an excuse. You can't be like, if it is actually rape, you can't be like, oh, she was drunk, you know. So yeah, it can go both ways. With that, yeah. right? I'm glad I don't drink no more. Mm-hmm. I used to be there. I've done it. I've been there. And how does it feel to be on the other side? Good, feel good. No more hangovers. <laughs> more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, berry is not good for the health, though. If you go overboard, it's not good for your health. Alcohol in general. Yeah. If you drink it, like... Normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't know how to drink. Yeah. They go overboard. Yeah. Uh, the, and they have problems with their and you're not supposed to have a Mickey, chug it. And five minutes later, you're wasted. You don't yeah. even know what's going on anymore. Damn, it's not drinking. It's not social drinking. You know, have a supper. Let's have drinks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think they want to feel that highness. Mm-hmm. I think it's also like, what we talked about before, like the intergenerational abuse thing. And uh, it's like f- a way for them to escape reality. And that's all they know because that's what they learned from the previous people, like their parents and their mm-hmm. grandparents. And it's kind of a complicated thing. Like, I'm so proud of you for not drinking anymore. Like, I would love to say that too. But for me, like, you know, it's like a cool thing to do because what else do you have to do back home, you know? They- go out in the snow okay it's too cold like <laughs> to a certain point and i mean if if it's in a controlled environment yeah. where you feel you're safe then it's a different story but, but if you're doing that every day and we're talking mm-hmm. about you know uh, risky behaviors you know a lot of it associates with you know let's get drunk fast you know cargo won't come in for another i don't know how many weeks we got to do this and you know and then we end up living with guilt we end up living with regret and we end up living with, you know, I can't remember what happened half the time, right? So often in these times where we're vulnerable, like we talked about, things happen. Um, here I have a, a quote from Shakespeare and it says, alcohol provokes the desire, but it takes away the performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got this girl. I'm going to go do it. We're going to do it. I'm going to be the best. She's and then, never going to see. She's never seen anything like then, it. <laughs> <laughs> There's and the funniest thing ever, too. And you're just like, that's disappointing. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> and Goodbye. It's like you guys worked each other up the whole party, the whole evening. And then you get to that point, And then it's like, you know. <laughs> so so tell me I, I want to hear more from you guys continue please 
Okay, I have experience with alcohol when I was a kid. My my father was passed away when I was six, and my mom started to alcoholic for three to four years. When I was nine years old, she started to give me a beer, so I started drinking. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, ten years. She gave me a beer, whiskey, every week, almost every day. So I was alcoholic when I was a kid, and I turned 18. I decided to move to Montreal. So I find a guy who picked me up, and I follow him. So I find a boyfriend, and we start decided to having a baby. So I get pregnant. That time I was stopped drinking. Um, because I'm responsible and I'm pregnant. So, the baby was born. I have to breastfeed. One year after, I get pregnant again. Another one year, breastfeed. So, four years sober. And another baby. One year back again, breastfeed. For like six, seven years, I was sober. And now, like... Maybe starting this year, I started drinking again. A um, few weeks ago, my kid's father started telling me that I'm, I'm alcohol, the name, the alcohol, because I'm drinking. So I was like, okay, I'm going to drinking as long as I can. Every day drinking over a week drinking, I start to tire of alcohol, I stop. So today is Wednesday. I'm not drinking since Thursday. I'm so happy that yeah. I stop again and be responsible for my kids. Good for you. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, and now, my mom, she used to make me drink it. And now, when I start drinking, she started hating on me and stopped talking to me. It's so hard. Like, I cannot even explain to her or I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. But you were in a situation where you recognized that your behavior yeah. with drinking was putting not only yourself, but your children at risk. So you took mm -hmm. that step in moving forward. I'm trying my best not to show my kids alcohol because I was having a hard time with my mom. And just small one. Hmm. <laughs> They pushing me away to doing it, and I'm not trying to doing it. I didn't even try to think about it. So they try to replace what they're missing with people with alcohol. Yeah. And also, like like she just said, like, but it's going to be hard for you to overcome it, you know? It has to come from you. Like, I want to stop. I'm done. Then you'll be successful at being done, so. <clears throat> when I was a drinker, I used to think, oh, the bear will ease my pain. No, it's not true. It's going to... Uh, Magnifying. Um, Make it worse. Yeah. Especially on your hangover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have bad hangovers. When, when you're hungover and you realize why you started drinking in the first place, so then you, you're back to that emotional state where you felt like crap. And then now you're in this physical state where you feel like even more crap. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, the conclusion is that, you know, you feel overall worse. Mm 
than how you did when you started, right? So it's it's really great to get this kind of testimony from you guys because a lot of our listeners, you know, they're going to find themselves in very similar situations where they feel that they have been living a life of risky behaviors that are related to alcohol consumption and often alcohol abuse. So thank you for sharing that, Lucy. Yeah. And and like I said, it's really important because a lot of our listeners, they're in very similar situations, but, you know, they, they're in the communities, they're in Nunavik, they're above the 55th parallel where the resources there aren't going to be great. So just for the record for our listeners, um, on our Facebook page, we are going to have a, a list of resources where uh, you can contact any one of them um, if you're feeling at risk or, you know, if you feel like you're in a situation where maybe alcohol is becoming too much of a subject in your life and you'd like to change your lifestyle, then uh, we're going to have that list of resources there of people and individuals and organizations uh, that you can contact. So... Yeah. So um, just to continue on a little bit more, um, if you guys have any, you know, other stories you like to share or experiences or things that you've witnessed or your just overall opinion on, on how alcohol affects our relationships or our communities in general. Like it doesn't have to be something necessarily personal to you. It can be something that how you perceive it in general, right? So... I think there's a big difference between drinking for pleasure and drinking for concealing what you're feeling and whatnot. And when you're drinking for pleasure, it's fun. You're having fun and you're more likely to have better experiences. You know, events sexually, it's just more pleasant and you don't wake up with that gross feeling. And when you're angry and trying to like, or sad and trying to like, make up for those feelings that you think you're missing you're like I'm so much happier when I'm drinking like deep down you aren't and it just worsens how you feel and whatnot but I don't know I think the there's also a problem of a lot of young people like they're like 15 16 drinking and they they're they're like exposed to things like sexual stuff that you know, normally you shouldn't be seeing that, but you are seeing that because you're uh, partying with p older people or whatnot. So, yep. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to me. Um, I did a TV show called Working It Out Together on APTN. No way. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And during filming, I was... I was uh, coming out of a year where I spent, like, every other day either drunk or high. And during filming one day, I like, I was so hungover and we were filming and he was make and I was being made to work out like crazy. And I just, I had to, like, get everything out. I had to puke. And right after that, right after that, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to quit. I'm more shot or one more beer that's it I'm, I'm gone and I probably won't remember what's going to happen for the next so many hours so it's always like you know how am I going to protect myself am I putting myself at risk what can I do to help myself like like you guys said going out drinking you know for social reasons to have fun you know it's not a bad thing it's not it's not a bad thing at all I love dancing you know I love going out and I'm one of those people who's like I love you, Lucy. <laughs> You're such a strong woman. Why don't we hang out more? Let's dance. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'm I'm kind of like that sober most days too, but, you know, it's just that much more when I'm, you know, having a couple of drinks. So, you know, it's, it's really important to be able to have these conversations with you people here and for our listeners because we're talking about how you know we've experienced it and how we've learned how um you know what might be our our limits and 
we've talked about going over the limit and we've talked about preventing ourselves from going over the limit, but everyone has that, right? Mm -hmm. They have that peak like you talked about. And it's like, am I going to continue? Am I going to stop? Am I going to enjoy myself anymore after I have that one more shot? Really? Like, you know, so everyone always comes to these crossroads where we have to ask ourselves questions. And the bottom line is how are we going to protect ourselves and sometimes protect others? Let's say I'm a man. I'm intoxicated. I'm horny. I see Olivia up in the bar dancing. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get that. But I don't have a condom with me and there's no condoms anywhere. So am I going to continue? No, I'm protecting myself and her at this point, right? Because everyone comes to this. Everyone has that, you know, like when when it comes to drinking, it's like wearing beer goggles, basically. You know, we all know what wearing beer goggles is like. And also one of the things, like, a lot of the times young teenagers get into relationship and they're together and they had sex, like, one shot, you know? First yeah. date sex. What? Oh, you were we're I, boyfriend girlfriend now. I would not. <laughs> I don't get that. Like I would never ever like. I'm gonna mark my territory. You, the longer you can wait for me, the more I know you have respect for me. You know, right. and me to me, I sex is not just like oh let's have sex. To me, it's like sacred. Like if I take my shirt off in front of you, you're a lucky motherfucker, man. Because this doesn't happen. I'm very, very imini. I I can't do that. And I feel like a lot of the young people are like, okay, we had sex. We're now, we're in a relationship and we love each other. And we, fast. Yeah. We got <laughs> hickeys to prove it. Hickeys, you know. Right? Oh my it's, God. It's so not like that. If the person can see you on other levels than sex, then that means it's so much more real. It's so real. It has nothing to do with sex, you know. They don't even take time to get to know the person. Yeah. Okay, don't mind now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. <laughs> ah, and it's it's dangerous because yeah. you're together for two weeks. Oh, you were a couple, now you're broken. You go to the next one, you go to the next Wait, one. Wait, I need to make a Facebook status first. <laughs> in a relationship with next week later it's off you know like and then everyone's wondering what happened right yeah. it it moves so fast and sex is not an indicator of love or it's not an indicator of i respect you at all at you all. know you thinking people don't know it's already some already know way eh? yeah it goes fast especially in oh, small communities you, you were with that person how did it go yeah. no it's like, what yeah, how did you find out <laughs> I saw your truck there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I saw you right in front of his place. Fuck! I should have parked at the other house, you know? Like, right. it's crazy. And in a lot of the times, it, it ruins families, it ruins marriages. Yeah. It ruins children's relationship with their parents, you know, cheating and having multiple partners and... It's 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 damaging, and we need to. Young people need to understand that sex is not just a tool. You know, today sex is like it means nothing anymore. It's like it's everywhere. Sex, sex, sex. It means absolutely nothing anymore. It's like a tool. I want to, I want to get something, so I'm gonna use sex, and this man will give me everything. You know, but they need to understand that sex is. It's like fucking going to ceremony. It's like going to church. That's what I believe. Like, to me, sex is like super holy. Like, I don't fuck around with sex, you know? 15, 16 years old, pregnant. Yeah. Underage. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I'm, I got to start wrapping things up here, unfortunately. I think that I can talk about uh, these kind of conversations forever. I love talking about it in an open forum with a bunch of really intelligent people like you guys. Um, sex is great. Sex is fun. Sex is healthy even. Um, and it's really important to hear from you guys how you guys have protected yourselves. And it's also great for the listeners um, who will maybe even learn from your experiences. So again, thank you all for sharing. You guys did an amazing job.
My name is Louisa Yates. Here on View Cebu today, we have Beatrice Deer, the singer of the Beatrice Deer Band. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. Um, so we're still on the subject of risky behaviors and substance abuse. Uh, we had a really great roundtable discussion with youth who were able to um, express themselves on how they feel the status is basically with themselves and in their communities. Now coming in, uh, we have you. I know that you're that you are personally an amazing role model um, on this subject. You live an awesome lo- lifestyle that I personally totally admire. But I would like you to feel free to speak about what you would like. Um, I don't want you to be kind of stuck to a script or anything. I just like to know how you feel about the subject, how you feel it impacts yourself, people around you, and your community, and um, how you think we can address it. Um, well, first of all... Um, I can say that I'm. I've been sober for over six years now, and that came about because I um, was an alcoholic, and um, I had no more limits um, in my behavior, and I was uh, very unhappy about that. And I tried quitting drinking for many years until that day I finally promised myself that I am going to try my very best to completely quit. Um, And it was when I ran out of excuses of... uh, of why I should drink. Um, I was at the bottom and I was um, in depression for a very long time. Um, and finally, I I remember um, that day um, sitting there and crying and thinking there has got to be something better than this. Like, my life was so unhappy and I remember thinking, life can't just be this difficult all the time. And I knew then that it was time for me to do something I've never done before, which is quit drinking and stick to it. Because I've tried many times. I've tried, um, well, I would try and for a few weeks I'd be sober. Um, And I thought I wasn't an alcoholic because I didn't drink every day. Um, I thought since I only drink on like close to the weekend or the weekend that I thought like I work I'm a mom. I still do my duties. Um, So I was in denial um, until I I couldn't deny it anymore. Um, Until it started affecting your life. Yeah. Well, it was affecting me. I just didn't know that it was affecting me um, because it became my normal. Um, Partying was normal for me. Um, partying with friends was normal, and um, I thought it was normal to get into drunken arguments sometimes because that came with the lifestyle. So when I was in it, because um, we're, when we're in a pattern, we don't notice how destructive it is. We just kind of disregard it and and just just think that it's just the way I am. You settled. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I fight some, like, I would tell myself, well, I get into arguments, okay. I 
fight with my husband. He pissed me off, so it's normal. Um, I go into depression. That's normal. But it's all associated with abusing alcohol. It was all associated with abusing alcohol. And and you become a substance abuser because of things that you have a hard time expressing from your past. And I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, so, yeah, um, I decided that it was really time to quit drinking and really start facing myself and try and figure out, like try to really dig deeper into why I was prone to abusing alcohol and really look for the reasons why. And then the longer I was sober, the deeper I saw my myself. And um, I no longer had my monthly um, outbursts of violence with my husband at the time, which were distractions of what I really had deep inside, which was which was a lot of pain that came from my childhood and were the source of my anger. And so at, at as a, yeah, so at this point, you know, you've been sober for X amount of time and you start really seeing things more clearly at this point, right? Yeah. So um, instead of using alcohol as a coping mechanism at this point again, what did you do to replace it? Like, how did you do to cope with your existing issues that you were now being able to see? Um, I, like many things, um, as they say, when you're addicted to something and you quit something, you have, like, you have a sort of a transferred addiction and... I think in my case, it became fitness. So um, I'm really um, happy that I'm healthier today. Um, yeah, I've gone through huge transformations um, emotionally and physically throughout the last six years. And it's a constant effort. Um, sometimes you don't always feel like um, exercising or training, but you push yourself anyways. Um, so yeah, that's been my that, that's my new lifestyle. Your um, new outlet. Yeah. And. Well, I I lost my train. Sorry. Of <laughs> no, it's okay. So yeah, um, I've gone through um, lots of therapy, um, and that's helped me tremendously um, in learning how to cope and how to understand myself um, because. When we're by ourselves and we have a hard time expressing ourselves and a lot of times um, we may open up to someone that we trust and that person, uh, as much as they love us so much, may not know how to respond. So although expressing is great, it's it, it gets what's bothering you, what's hurting you inside, um, on the out, like it, it brings it out. But when, when you have someone who knows how to handle that, to tell you, okay, when you experience that, it is because of this, that comes from a place of this, like, they really 
map it out for you. And it really unties all those knots that were so overwhelming, that, that seemingly are overwhelming to you because you just don't know how to deal with them and you're by yourself. And the more, the less you talk about it, the bigger, the louder it gets in your head. And the heavier it gets and the deeper you go, the deeper you go into being lost. But when you start talking about it and the person you're talking to knows what you're going through and why, and then your path starts to clear up, all those knots are becoming more straight. And the clearer your mind gets, the calmer you are and the more peace you have. Because um, from my own experience, um, the, 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 like we all have secrets. And um, I was going through a, um, intense, well, not intense, sort of intense, um, long-term therapy for sexual abuse. Um, and uh, I couldn't say my secrets for my whole life until I knew that I had to face them and talk about them. And it was um, with my therapist um, at this counseling center here um, that specializes um, in sexual abuse um, for women. So it's a very safe place. Um, so, so I noticed when I talked about my most, um, my, my secrets that I've never shared to anyone that I was so ashamed of uh, because sexual abuse is, is very shameful like for, for us that, that, that live it. Yeah, and we don't want to talk about it. It's, it's, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's, um, it's embarrassing. But I knew that I had to. I had to open up and let out my secret. And that session really shifted my my view about sexuality. I realized that when I released my secret of what happened to me, what was happening to me when I was a child, my view of sexuality shifted in that short period of time. I saw um, sex differently because... Um, speaking for myself and for for other people that have um, been victims of sexual abuse, we it's we don't have a healthy sexuality. Um, sometimes we don't control our sexuality, especially when we're abusing drugs and alcohol. And that's how we become people with high-risk behaviors. That's how there's more unwanted pregnancies. That's how there's more sexual transmitted infections. There's more infidelity. There's when we're sexu when we were sexually abused, we tend to have less control of our own sexuality. And when we start to talk about it, when we start seeking therapy from people that know what they're talking about, that changes, that changes you. And that's what I've lived through. And my self-esteem changed. <laughs> and... Um, it's like it was built up for a long time. When you finally let it go, you must have been like super light. 
Yeah. Well, at the same time, when you're opening up, it's <clears throat> it's uh, it's a very vulnerable place. I remember that that day when I finally talked about in detail what happened to me. Um, I remember um, feeling like everybody was all of a sudden looking at me. And I've never had that before. I would walk outside and feel like, like, is someone looking at me? Because I felt so exposed. Mm -hmm. Like, because I just opened up that wound that I've ignored for my whole life. And all of a sudden, I felt like my skirt was too short. So my view of sexy shifted and it was a very it, it was a life-changing experience so so yeah like it's all related the the substance abuse the high-risk behavior is all related to the traumas that we lived when we were young. And when we start to deal with that, that's when we start to step away from the need to feel that pain with something else. And that's where we need to focus on. And it all starts with us individually. And... Yeah, there is a lack of programs in Nunavik, and a lack of support. yeah, a lack of support and addiction is so strong. And although I'm not living in Nunavik, I see it. I feel it. Um. And it's just, it's, it's uh, hard. It's sad. Um, but as individuals, we have to s take responsibility of our own actions. And that's what I, that's what I realized when I became sober. When, when I decided to become sober, I ran out of excuses. I couldn't blame anyone else anymore. I said, well, I'm going to drink because you pissed me off. I'm going to drink because you cheated on me and I'm angry. I'm going to drink because all my friends drink. Um... I won't have any more friends if I don't drink. I'm going to drink because it's a celebration. I'm going to drink because I'm more fun when I'm drinking. Um, I'm livelier on stage when I drink, so I'm going to drink to that. Um, it's Christmas time. It's Halloween. It's like it, all the excuses. All the fights that I had, all the... The violence, the, I ran out of excuses. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, you made that choice. You're an adult. What happened to you as a child happened to you when you were a child. But now you're an adult and it's your choice to do something about it. You, no one's going to do it for you. And that's what changes you. And it's, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Like I've, it's been six years that I'm sober and... My life is far from perfect. I still have 
my struggles, like everybody has struggles in their life, but I can say that it's a lot better. My head's a lot clearer. I, yeah, and working on my self-esteem, <laughs> the, the, um, what I, I, I listen to, uh, T.D. Jakes a lot, and what he said really struck me um, today was, um, like, you know, we, we ask, like, God to, to change our mountain, a mountain meaning our difficulties, like, stop them. But that mountain is not, it's not going to move. It's, it, it's not going to change. We're the ones who have to change. And that's what I realized. Like the things that used to be so huge for me that I was so afraid of are not <laughs> that big of a deal today. It's because I changed. Like the mountains, the challenges are still there, but I'm the ones that ch I'm the one that changed. You remind me of a quote that I heard recently, and it said, "Well, you know, we we can't change what happened to us, right? We can't mm -hmm. change the past and." But the only thing that we can do is change how we relate to it. Yeah, and exactly. And I think that, you know, listening to you and your story and talking about where you came from, you were able to identify. You were able to know what your limits were. You were able to take back your pride even, I feel like, is what I'm getting from this conversation. And it's also <clears throat> what... Everyone who came into this room has been talking about, you know, going back to their grassroots. You know, it's great that me and you are in this setting right now where we can talk about this and it's a safe environment. And it's really great that we're sharing it and it's going to be aired even in, you know, we never know who's going to be listening. And it's it's going to impact more than one person. And seeing you and listening to your story about how you survived and how you changed it around for yourself and how successful you have been, I think is a really great inspiration. Um, I'd like to thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's to the listeners who are out there, you know, everyone has their story. Um, a lot of people react the same ways to different situations or vice versa. And, you know, if anybody can take anything from what this podcast has to offer, I think a lesson like yours is definitely one that will benefit, um, that will definitely benefit youth today. I've been asking everyone who comes in and uh, sits with me at this round table um, if they, what their favorite sexy song is. <laughs> uh, I, What's not my favorite sexy song? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like you. We, we've had a lot of different ones come through. Um, one of them was, um, oh, I'm too sexy for this song. <laughs> <laughs> That's my least one. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of them also are actually 90s songs. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, 90s, I, 90s dance, definitely the best. I think the uh, 90s must have been super shake sexy. Shake that body for me. Shake it, shake it. <laughs> I love it. That one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, I think it's really important to be able to laugh at the end of the day, especially um, after speaking about such heavy subjects, you know, mm -hmm. it's no matter what you go through, um, a lot of people carry around a certain 
guilt, right? No matter mm-hmm. what it will be for. You know, we spoke about secrets. We spoke about abuse. We spoke about, you know, um, jealousy even. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? At the end of the day, it's always important to remember to allow yourself to not only feel the negative things, but to also feel the positive things yeah. and to celebrate. Uh-huh. And right now... Um, you can have a laugh over a sexy song. So, you know, <laughs> it's important to always try and end your day with a little bit of a giggle. So, uh-huh. again, you're an inspiration. I personally totally admire you. And I'm really thankful that you were able to be here today. Having me again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we just listened to the song Daku by the Beatrice Deer Band. Uh, I have Chanel who's with me today. She, Chanel is a sexual educator. Hi. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm super excited to have a professional here with us to shed some light on the dynamics. Um, it seems like for some couples, alcohol is either the ultimate confidence booster guaranteed to liven up the action between the sheets, or it's a death kneel promising encounter, right? So it can either go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, also, historically, alcohol has a long association with romance and sex in terms of advertising. On the other hand, alcohol is linked to an increase in risky sexual behaviors, which 
can result in unwanted pregnancy, sexual transmitted diseases or infections, and regret. I think um, we'll have a couple of questions to ask, but first, I'd like to get to know you better. Of course. Well, as you said, my name is Chanel Duquette. Um, I live and work in the greater Montreal area. Uh, I've studied in sexology and in public health. And in the past, I've worked with teens, with youth and their educators. But now my work consists more of office work, if I can say. Uh, I work at making tools and developing activities and programs that aim at reducing the risks of people getting uh, sexually transmitted infections uh, and that help them achieve a more healthy sexual life. I'm here today not so much as an expert who knows all there is to know about the topic of drinking and sexuality, uh, but more as a person who can share a bit of her knowledge on the topic, according to my own opinions and values, of course. Awesome. <laughs> so you've heard some of the discussions that we had earlier. Do you have any thoughts? Did it make you smile? And mostly, are we normal? <laughs> well, um, it did actually make me smile, uh, but it made me smile more because of uh, of how knowledgeable the people that you had in here were. Uh, I thought that um, I thought that they were uh, they were they were very knowing, and actually, I prepared a bit before I came here, right? And um, a lot of the things that uh, they said. A lot of the points that they made, I had prepared to talk about already. So uh, they were really on point with what I, w I was about to say. Um, what what uh, marked me most, I think, is um, how uh, you had discussions about uh, the different, uh, if I can say, levels of drinking or, or getting drunk, right? And uh, I think that uh, that really has different impacts on um on sexuality and on the consequences that can, that can, uh, and uh, some of the discussions that you had earlier uh, revolved around that. And uh, I think there's, there's this first scenario where a, a person doesn't drink. And there are many reasons why a person can choose not to drink. Uh, maybe they know they can have a good time without drinking, or they're worried about the negative consequences of drinking. Uh, or maybe they don't like the feeling of alcohol and how it kind of makes you lose control, right? And when it comes to drinking and sex, well, it, this option, the first option, is is probably the safest. It allows you to stay in control of your mind and your body. But that's not always realistic, right? Um, I think most times it's not realistic. Exactly. I it's, think as much as you, before the beginning of the night, you kind of plan on being like, okay, I'm just going to stick to this plan. And then before you know it, it's out of hand, right? Exactly. And the truth is that alcohol, it's, it's often part of, of fun times and of social activities. And for most people, drinking is not a problem. And that's because, well, they, they drink in a thoughtful manner, right? So Drinking in a thoughtful manner means that you drink moderately, you're careful about how how many drinks you have. Um, earlier, you were talking about a supper, having a glass of wine or two. Um, and usually after one glass of wine or two, people, they start to talk a bit more, they enjoy themselves, they feel like uh, they're leaving their cares behind, they can also become more emotional or sentimental, right? And... Most times when drinking is done in a thoughtful manner, it, it doesn't have negative consequences on sexuality. Sometimes it even can play a positive role, if I can say. For example, having a beer or two at a party can allow someone to approach someone else, someone that they've been too shy to talk to, right? It kind of creates a, a social context where people feel more comfortable and um, and when they're still in control of their body and their minds, well, I, I think that... that that's fine. But the issues between alcohol and sexuality, well, they really come up when you drink in excess, right? right. When you have a lot to drink. Um, and I think that with young people, it's often what happens. They have they have less uh, of a tendency to have a beer or two uh, during supper, right? They, they normally, they go to parties and there's a lot of alcohol and they have more of a tendency to binge drink, to drink a lot. And then that's when Um, the effects of alcohol, the, the loss of judgment and the difficulty communicating with others, uh, uh, difficulty making decisions and sometimes making decisions that you wouldn't have made had you been sober, 
that's when uh, some of the problems with sexuality kind of come up, right? Uh, when I talk about problems with sexuality, I mean, for example, um, uh, well, physiological dysfunctioning, right? It kind of slows down sexuality. Uh, you can have um, difficulty with uh, sexual excitement. You can have difficulty getting an erection or even having an orgasm. But I'm also talking about uh, things like uh, sexually transmitted infections, right. wearing a condom, uh, unplanned pregnancy. And then there's a big piece of it that is, and you mentioned it well with with your with the girls earlier, Um, a big piece of it is consenting to having a sexual activity and being entirely there and entirely present and being able to to willingly have have sex with someone else, you know. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's often a reality, like, you know, where a girl, she drinks excessively one night You know, she gets to the point where she passed her limit and she is no longer conscious of what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And then she has sex. But then, you know, she wasn't sure if it was consensual or, you know, she feels regret the next day. And oftentimes it may be in a circumstance where the male may not have necessarily been as intoxicated as she was. So in a sense, maybe he took advantage of her. And mm -hmm. then, you know, there's all these like super fine lines of like, you know, was it real consent because I was too intoxicated to know what I was doing? You know, was there a crime committed here? Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the lines of consent can be very blurry for a lot of people, right? And um, I think maybe uh, maybe for the people listening, it would be a good thing that we define consent. So I thought maybe we could define consent together. And, yes, please. Uh, we could, I could uh, give, give the people who are listening a, a few tips on how to make sure that they have consent, right? Yeah, okay. So simply put, consent means that everyone involved in a sexual activity actually wants to participate, right? So giving consent means that a person voluntarily agrees to participate in a sexual activity. There's only one way to know for sure, to be absolutely positive, that someone has given their sexual consent. It's if they tell you so, right? If they tell you, yes, I want to be doing this. Consent becomes a lot more confusing when a person is trying to guess um, if their partner is enjoying it, if the other person really wants to be doing this. And this means that both partners kind of have a role in consent, right? The person who initiates the sexual activity, who starts it, should ask the other person, is this okay? Do you feel like having sex? Are you into it? And then uh, the person who's kind of receiving an invitation, if I can say, uh, should be clear about what he or she wants. N no, I don't feel like it. Yes, I feel like it. Mm, I feel like kissing and touching, but nothing more, or uh, I'm not sure. And then um, if if the person says no or the person is hesitant, there shouldn't be any sexual activity happening, right? Right. So that is, that is pretty much uh, basic consent. Other things about consent is that um, it's... Um, A person can be okay with one type of sexual activity and consent to one type of sexual activity. But then as things move on and things progress, the person may feel that more uncomfortable of, about what's happening. And the person can always change their mind, right? Right. Um, and uh, I can't stress this enough. Consent is very important because having a sexual activity with someone that doesn't voluntarily agree to have sex is considered like sexual assault or, or like rape legally, right? And um, a person can be convicted for it. But also, it's important because uh, being forced to have a sexual activity without consenting uh, can be harmful and have lasting consequences for the person, right? Um, the person who whose uh, people know what consent is and make sure that they have consent before they have a sexual relation with someone else. So I think that having this conversation with you really <laughs> summed up the conversation that we had with the youth. And it just like, 
Wow, I'm looking for a word and I really can't think of it. <laughs> I don't want to say certified. Made, it made our last conversation more concrete, right? So we spoke about all these really important subjects. And, you know, sometimes we just get carried away in talking and we don't even know what we're talking about anymore, but it's fun. And then when it gets down to the itty-bitty gritty, and um, it's good to know that, you know, these things are real, these things are happening, and yes, we do need to be careful. So thank you again for being here. Well, thank you for having me. You're amazing. For our listeners out there, watch out for links on our Facebook page. If you are considering maybe quitting alcohol or you're looking for information on quitting alcohol, we will have links on our Facebook page that will be resources to the information that you may be looking for. So again, check out for links on the Checkup Project Facebook page. Let's continue the discussion online. The Checkup Project Facebook page. This week, we want to know from you, what is the situation with booze in your communities? How do you deal with it personally? What kind of effects does it have on your relationships, your family, and your community? Next episode on Busywood, we will talk about the sex, the bugs, and doing something about it. Stay awesome and stay tuned. Thanks for being with us. Pusivit is financed by the Nunavik Regional Board of Health and Social Services. Thanks to our host, Louisa Yates, the Twin Flames, and the Beatrice Deerband for the music. Audio Z for mix and editing. 32 Mars for the production. Veronique Morin and Fayla Grizzly from the Public Health Team for content and coordination. Thanks to our guests, Beatrice Deer and Chanel Duquette, and the youth who participated in our discussions. Mostly, thanks to you, our listeners.